Hi, I'm Lowell. I'm Aiden. I'm Dave. And I am Nate. And this is I Read the News Today. <sighs> oh, boy. <sighs> uh, we are not journalists. <laughs> Pundits. Or uh, old man on roller skates with a marked <laughs> propensity towards procrastination and sloth. <laughs> but we do read the news. And we are here to talk about the shit that's going on. Today is April 18th, 2020, and this week we are joined by Nate. What's up, muffuggas? Can I, we swear on this? You, you definitely can swear on this. Okay. This isn't broadcasting out to PBS kids. Not, Not yet, yet anyways. <laughs> are, do you are, do you know what a podcast is? I've listened to at least two. Okay. Nate, you and the rest of the people on this this show uh, have done a lot of comedy together before. Yes, that's uh, true. We were all in an improv group together. Um, Nate, you brought in a an article? Did you bring in more yes. than one article? Well, so my, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole the other day when I was um, on wiki preparing for this podcast the uh, original article i had and will continue to have brought me into a few uh different uh different ones we all know how a wikipedia wormhole works of course but my original article is it's called barrel man uh parentheses (laughs) novelty i would just like to read the beginning of the article verbatim a barrel man is a souvenir doll or statuette popular in the philippines the statuette i'm really picking the (laughs) hard-hitting articles Um, The statuette usually (laughs) consists of a crude male figurine carved out of wood, partially hidden inside a round wooden barrel. When the barrel is taken off, the male figure inside is revealed, sporting a prominent phallic protrusion in the lower (laughs) part of the figure's anatomy. And And what could they possibly be talking about? (laughs) Well, one of the things that nailed in the fact (laughs) that I was going to bring this article in is the way they tiptoe fucking around saying the word penis. <laughs> yeah. Even though it, has, it is a perfectly fine anatomical word. Meanwhile, we barrel straight into it. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfectly fine anatomical uh, word. But prominent phallic protrusion... Pro, that's a tongue twister. A prominent phallic protrusion in the lower part of the figure's anatomy is what they went with. Um, so, the souvenir is are fairly, they talking about legs? They're talking about legs, legs yes. Phallic legs. Yeah, legs. Two, two long phallic legs which <laughs> pop out uh, when the statue uh, gets aroused. So this is a Filipino tradition. Uh-huh. Uh, fairly common in gift shops in the Philippines and somewhat popular among tourists uh, who may be surprised the first time they encounter the object and lift its barrel. The end of the article here says, in recent years, a female version of the figurine has appeared. The surprise is the woman's breasts. <laughs> it's just a oh short, short, quick sentence. No dangling <laughs> modifiers. Uh, unless you're talking about the uh, the phallic protrusions. You'll see at the bottom under C also, Barrel Man Broncos fan. Which, this seems like it's going to be pretty pointed towards the, the good, good Broncos of, of my new home. Are you the fucking guy who goes to England for a week and develops a British accent of Denver? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for diverting you. Oh, that's quite all right. I'm sure at this point you've already seen the photos of a barrel man. I've seen um, some. <laughs> barrel man, real name Tim McKernan, was a super fan of the Denver Broncos, sadly passed away 11 years ago. In all types oh. of weather for 30 years, he attended every home game at both, every home game for 30 years. Wow. Every home game at both well, Milehead Stadium. Eight games a year. Eight games a year is not enough to show I care. <laughs> <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? Um, R.I.P. Uh, Eight games a year. That's how I love you. R.I.P. John Denver. We're very close to the I think that spot he crashed his plane into. 
Mile High Stadium in, in Vesco Field at Mile High wearing nothing but an orange barrel that covered his torso and a cowboy hat and boots. His costume was reminiscent of rodeo clowns or barrel men who serve as a distraction to animals in the rodeo arena in order to protect riders who have been thrown and of the stereotype of the miner who lost his stake and had nothing left to wear but a barrel, which is a link once again to the bankruptcy barrel you may remember in uh so yeah i'm starting to see why you um <laughs> fell down a rabbit hole here because i <laughs> i my, my line of sight immediately went to the blue link that says nothing left to wear but a barrel and it's kind of a trope oh, we all know but yes. didn't really have a common phrase for because we've always seen like down and out bugs bunny wears a barrel for some reason when he goes broke in a Looney Tunes cartoon even though as we all know Bugs Bunny goes around bearing all normally and wearing a barrel is more than he usually wears but the bankruptcy barrel is when you're so broke you have you can't afford clothing and you have to strap a barrel to your body to hide your genitalia I like how you tiptoed there around saying the word penis well, it's a sort of a unisex <laughs> thing. Men and women can wear yeah. bankruptcy barrels. Uh, it doesn't matter what yeah. you got going down there. All that matters is what kind of wood the barrel's made of. <laughs> I personally go for fine mahogany because I like the red color. You see, I was going to say mahogany too. I feel like a, a rich mahogany, th- that's a high quality wood for someone who has lost everything. Yeah. I was going to say, yes. I mean, like, that is one hell of a cooperage that's selling you a discount mahogany barrel. <laughs> I'd say that pine is more affordable. Can I um, divert us for a moment once again, as I am apt to do? Absolutely. Under bankruptcy barrel, there's a section here. The bankruptcy barrel, I'm paraphrasing, was also used in a 1999 Wendy's commercial to the effect of the <laughs> dot-com bubble, where a destitute dot-com magnate is left only with a barrel that can still afford a discounted Wendy's hamburger. However, Wendy's oh, founder, no. Dave Thomas, not to be confused with the Canadian uh, comedian Dave <laughs> Thomas or the um, <laughs> lead singer of Pear Ubu, Dave Thomas, or a guy named Dave <laughs> Thomas that I know. Um, Wendy's founder, Dave Thomas. Well, no, I mean, that, all of that is covered in... Um, the the descriptor Wendy's founder Dave Thomas. <laughs> it doesn't say Dave Thomas, who I know. <laughs> um, anyway, however, Wendy's founder Dave Thomas, out of desire not to see him remove the barrel to fish for change, offers to pay for the man's meal, which I think more billionaires should be doing. Oh, not to make it all political. Yeah, jeez, well, we don't do any politics on this show. Well, I will say though, I appreciate. There's also there's one other little reference that hidden in the bottom of this a Wikipedia page here. Uh, I very much appreciate seeing a, a little love for the good old Moon Mullins, who is noted to have occasionally been seen after wearing a barrel after losing at cards. You're the only person in the world I know who would know that what this is. Who is Moon Mullins? Moon Mullins is a very pop. Well, okay, popular. It's hard to describe <laughs> something as a popular comic strip, but it's a it was a syndicated comic strip that ran for quite a long time. Yes, it ceased publication a year before you were born. Before you were born, that has it never. Is un- Unacceptable for you to know what this is. As he was about to say, this never stopped him before. I'd also like to point out the creator of the comic strip is named Ferd Johnson. Not Fred. (laughs) Well, it's it's short for Ferdinand. It is is generous of Wikipedia to call this doodle that he couldn't have whipped up in more than 30 seconds a self-portrait. A (laughs) self-portrait? He's the original Peter Griffin. Honestly, yes. It looks a lot like Peter Griffin. Bird Johnson self-portrait. He appears to be holding a 
anal probe that's it's recently a been bloody used <laughs> <laughs> and is dripping with feces and proudly very proudly holding it as if he's it, uh, all right with the fact that he just probed a person who is thankfully off screen i would have said it was more of a, a bloodletting instrument but uh <laughs> well, you know, that's where you and I differ. <laughs> it is. I can tell the Denver's rubbing off on you. Yikes. <laughs> it's the capital bloodletting. What was the other article that you had here? Oh, so the Denver Broncos That was guys. the, Got both it. of them were the beer barrel uh, guys. Yeah. Mm. And there's a whole sec, there's a whole host of other similar uh, super fans of various games like the license plate guy. There's a man who wears license plates on his chest <laughs> to every game. <laughs> wow. A man who dresses up as a fireman. Yeah, license plate guy. Why all mm. a lot of these people are dead, sadly. Chief- <laughs> Yikes. Wasn't there a guy who used to go to Cleveland Indian games and just bang a big drum constantly? Is that is 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 that is that special enough to like require a designation <laughs> as like a guy? Don't a lot of people do that? Yeah, I think that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. My question about about the guys who wear things like the the barrel. Mm-hmm. Is he wearing clothes under it? Do we know? The Broncos barrel man, I think it specifies he wears nothing but the barrel. Yeesh. Here's a question I have about him. Does he does he have to buy a seat? because <laughs> he can't sit he can't i see this barrel he can't sit in that well that's a good question it could be collapsible it could be assless yeah is it an assless barrel <laughs> not from the pictures i see but i suppose it's possible he's got a few mercifully in this in neither of them can we see his crotch area so it could be crotchless for all we know i can do a, i can do a quick now, google for you now here's the very important question is it a sex thing how could it not be a sex thing, Lowell? <laughs> well, I, th- I think that that's... Maybe, but it's also certainly for posterity. The barrel is the very bottom of the... Oh, for the posterior. Uh, well, number one. At the bottom of this Wikipedia article, uh, it says that the, the barrel... They've honored the barrel man as part of an exhibit called Denver A to Z. And there's a oh. statue of him. Wow. Yeah, there are a few statues of him, apparently. For a guy who looks like an angry Kenny Rogers joined the Confederate Army, it's an interesting uh, <laughs> interesting mascot to have. That's not a good comic. <laughs> what? I, I, I Google oh, image searched nice. the guy and... Um, uh, this, this comic must have been released at his death. And Nate, would you um, take us through what the comic is? So it's St. Peter at the Pearly Gates handing Barrel Man <laughs> a paintbrush and a can of orange paint saying, from now on, you'll be in charge of sunsets. We know how much you love orange. And Barrel Man is looking, frankly, thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Is he wearing just the barrel? He's wearing a barrel, the barrel and his requisite cowboy hat, and he appears to have a bullhorn. Well, that sounds like uh, it was a sex thing after all. <laughs> oh, he looks incredibly pleased to have just died. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just happy not to be in hell for, be- for being a Broncos fan. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, Lil. Shots fired. I I don't really care about the Broncos. <laughs> I didn't kill your boner too much. Because I know it's a sex thing for you. Uh mm, sure. Well, with that, I think that we should uh move on to our, our next article. Thanks yes, for bringing that, Nate. Please, of course. Okay, so bringing uh, uh so I've got uh first article up right now. 
And this is uh, a bit a bit a of a response to what's going on in the world right now. Obviously, as you can probably tell, this uh, this episode, we're all going to be sticking with our theme of light articles uh, since there's plenty of heavy news out there right now. So if someone wouldn't mind uh, clicking on my article here and just reading out that little headline. I'm going to take my best stab at this first word, but Pokong out to keep residents in. Very, very close. It's Pochong. Pochong. Is as far as I can tell. Correct. And this appears to be something in Indonesia. That is correct. We're keeping it in the South Asian theme. That's exactly right. So a Pochong is a traditional ghost and folklore figure in Indonesia and Malaysia. And so they're known for haunting graveyards and they're also known for their particularly unusual appearance where they're, you can kind of see from the photo that's associated with the article there, you see two people who are sitting on chairs and they're all tied up in this fabric that's knotted at the head and knotted at the feet. Pochong are supposed to represent people who basically couldn't unravel themselves and couldn't get into heaven and so have been bound to walk the earth until someone can free them. What this article is about is a village in Indonesia, which due to the coronavirus pandemic has been trying to keep people indoors. And the best way they've found to solve this is to release an army of fake ghosts on the town at night (laughs) to help (laughs) keep people indoors. So just a little bit of background. Indonesia declared a state of emergency on March 31st and ordered social distancing among a bunch of other measures But they stopped short of issuing a full lockdown Mm -hmm. and it's working okay in the cities. But a lot of villages, especially villages around the cities, still aren't getting the haven't quite gotten the full message. This one village of Kepa, which is in the central province uh, called Java, a group of volunteers started dressing up as these ghosts and going on surprise patrols around the town to try to spook people to get them back inside. Now, it did initially kind of have the opposite effect because people saw these ghosts hopping around and people would follow them to take pictures for social media or get some ghost hunters out there trying to chase them down. But now a few weeks later, things have kind of settled out and they are now serving as essentially guards at the main entryways to these towns, both to scare people off to from actually coming into the town and to also serve as people to, I guess, everyone's uh, getting stamped or something. Uh, they need to get passes if they're traveling in between towns at night. Does does the government have a contingency plan in case they refuse to go away when this is all over? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't believe so. They're going to call the Ghostbusters. That question <laughs> seems to imply that you believe that these are actual supernatural <laughs> entities. We don't know that they're not. That's fair. I would I would venture to assume most people don't actually believe that they're actual ghosts. They're just kind of serving as reminders like, hey, this is probably what could happen to you. But Nate kind of brings up the point that I'm interested in, which is how likely is it that they become actual Pochong after this? Yeah. And essentially, they're doomed to an eternally binding version of the brown bag foul from comedy sports. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my own personal hell. So this all being said, I thought maybe we could take some of this wisdom and apply it to ourselves. So I was wondering what you guys thought might be the best spiritual creature or a folklore symbol or spooky thing that you guys could patrol your towns as wherever you're living right now to keep people inside. I think Barrel Man for my town. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you were referring to the man Barrel Man and not the wooden statue (laughs) with a phallic protrusion. Good good point. (laughs) 
<laughs> Actually, could do a bit of both. Mix and match. Yeah, I'm sure he had a rather large phallic protrusion, but we've already covered Barrel Man's dick for yes. really most of this <laughs> time. He did too. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with that guy, the guy with the huge head from the Venture Bros. Oh, he's spooky. I don't remember his name. The little boy with the redheaded boy with a huge head and eye patch because I think he's funny. He's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. He is funny. I know that was a little out of left field. <laughs> I went a bit over my head. I haven't seen enough enough Venture Bros. Sadly. Yeah, I don't. Oh, okay. It's an Adult Swim show from mm. years ago. Oh, I've been watching a lot of Adult Swim recently because I'm quarantining oh. at my parents' house and staying up till 5 a.m. So, yep. Been there. How many times have you seen too many cooks? <laughs> you all remember that throwback to 2014. Not once, but I have stumbled into a show called Three Busy Debras. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. I had not heard of it. Before. I have never once heard of this. It came on. It came on late I enough. Don't. In true uh, Adult Swim fashion, it came on late enough that I wasn't sure if I was hallucinating it or not. But it's about three women all named Debra who are friends and I think live together. That's pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I mean, I had a different answer, and I've never seen this show, but I think the thing that would keep people off the streets of New Jersey would be three busy Debras. Oh, and this is, <laughs> this is yeah, this is a new show. This has only aired three episodes. There's one airing tomorrow, oh. if you're interested. I guess we're doing some advertisement for this, this show now. Yeah, some free ads <laughs> for three busy Debras. We'll, we'll, get, we'll be yep. rolling in those Adult Swim dollars real soon. Swimming in those Adult Swim dollars, you fool, you utter fool. Aiden, we're missing your answer. I, I mean, I feel like zombie feels like kind of low hanging fruit. You're going to I am legend it. Does that take place in New York? I should know that. But does that take place in New it York? Does. It okay. takes place in New York Very City. Very famously yeah. in New York. Well, they came into the yeah. zombies came back into the news this week because of um, what happened in Ohio. What happened in Ohio? Uh, there are pictures of a bunch of people protesting outside the state house. And from inside the building, looking out a window, they they look like Shaun of the Dead style zombies. Very good. That's just what people from Ohio look like. <laughs> <laughs> that could be said about you. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> he is a young boy from Ohio. I'm a young boy with a <laughs> fun toy. That was a that was a good slant reference to Phil Oaks. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on it. I'm much the more song is a, "Boy in Ohio." Mm. I'm much more of a uh, Bill Withers fan. If we're talking, oh, mm, pour some out. Yeah, he just poured a <laughs> cup of coffee all over his keyboard. So I hope you guys <laughs> are happy fun. for you listeners at home. Don't lean on him anymore. <laughs> You'll fall over. No, rigor mortis is probably set in. Oh, he's Jesus. probably in the final stages of putrefaction. At this yeah. point. Nate, Nate yeah. have you considered that right now, in this moment, you are a better musician than Bill Withers? Um, <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Honestly, yeah. I thought I think I'm a I think I've been a better musician than Bill Withers it turns uh, out since I released the song. The nuns like my nuts. The nuns like my nuts. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> Which album is that from? She and the Power, the story of Rebecca Lynn. Mm, yeah, no, that's a good album. Yeah. Thank you. David, did you have an answer to your own question? I no, I, I like Three Busy Debras. That's that that's <laughs> what I'm sticking with. Well, that mine was the guy with the huge head from Venture Bros, and we got off onto a bit of a uh -huh. tangent. But I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. switch. Yeah. It to we we the could three easily busy have called this show tangents <laughs> because of I mean, how I, many we go yeah, on. It, we could have. I was very ready to have a whole like uh, Nate when I brought this question in because I thought we could get into a whole debate between the New Jersey Devil and the Connecticut Monster, but I don't know what 
the Connecticut monster is. So that was a pipe dream from the outset. You don't know the Connecticut monster? Oh, I figured you would. Ah, what a shame. What about the trash cans? What is the Connecticut monster? It's a cryptozool. It's a crypt. This does not appear to exist. I, mean, I feel like <laughs> most cryptozoology kind of has some, you know, fairly suspect racial overtones to a lot of it. Oh, really? Nessie is a scion for the long-necked Scotsman. <laughs> that tried and true uh, stereotype. The Connecticut monster is, I believe it's a dog-like monster that lives in the Connecticut River. Oh, okay. Because all people from Connecticut are dogs. Pretty much. I get it. I've heard it many times. <laughs> for the viewers at home, I'm from a lot of different states. I'm not just bluffing about my uh, statehood ancestry. Okay, well... Did, th did that segment end? <laughs> I think that that segment ended. <laughs> did it begin? <laughs> Not sure, but it's definitely over. Well, that was your segment, David. Oh, fair. About the Viet Cong? What are they called? <laughs> what? <laughs> po Chong! Po Chong. Jesus Christ, it's the Po Chong! <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of I Read the News Today, Oh Boy. I want to start off this uh, midsection by saying our Twitter's currently been deactivated by um, a great mistake that I made, so you can't go there right now. However, we are opening up a Facebook page for I Read the News Today, Oh Boy. So you can find out more information there while we are waiting for Twitter to uh, rectify my mistake of making a profile that makes it seem like I'm one years old, uh, which in fact, the podcast has been going on now for more than a year. So thank you so much for sticking with us for that time. Meanwhile, you can also email us at our Gmail, newsoboy at gmail.com. We... Also, appreciate if you would subscribe and like this podcast and rate it. You can additionally find our guest Nate's work at Arugula Oglethorpe on Instagram, or you can look him up on Spotify or Bandcamp and find his albums under the, the same name, Arugula Oglethorpe. If you have trouble spelling that, there will be a spelling of it in the description of this podcast. Also, we will not be having an episode in two weeks, but instead in three weeks, we will be talking about the coronavirus again and giving an update on what has happened in the past couple months since we last talked about coronavirus, since there's a lot to, to cover. And things seem to be getting to a place where there's significant updates to be made. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Cool. And we're back. Hi, I'm Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We can keep running. When I was thinking about what, what article to, to choose for us, I, I was like, you know, we, we all went to England together and I found an article that was very British. And so uh, would someone like to read this headline? All, all the, the wonderfully, wonderfully British, British things that, that won't be happening this May. It's sad for the Brits who don't get to participate in these things. But for us who don't know that these things exist in the first place, uh, as <laughs> at least I didn't know some of these, I, I thought this would be a little bit of a, a joy to think about how ridiculous the British sense of joy is. I love the weird things that they do. Like electing Boris Johnson. 
Lowell has has made his his opinion on Bojo very clear on this podcast before. Very clear. And although I am happy he did not die from coronavirus, I'm going to just say it. It's his own damn fault that he even got it. He is an idiot. Oh, that is is the absolute opposite of your previous views on Bojo. Yeah, you came dressed as Bojo last time. It was Bojo (laughs) and a floating pickle and a glass of beer. The crazy things that the British do for their summer that won't be happening this year. First one is the Worm Charming Championships. Go on. Anyone have a have a guess as to what what happens there? Well, that my best guess of that is exactly what it sounds like. It's snake charming, but with worms. That's exactly what I was thinking. Do they still play the flute and like keep them in baskets? Can I just say the Fremen have been doing this on Arrakis for thousands of years? <laughs> what? It's a Dune reference. I was going to say, is a that Dune a Dune reference? reference? Oh, yes, 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 right, 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 it's right. Absolutely a Dune reference. You're Timothy Chalamet is starring. Anyway, Lowell, I'm taking you off track for the umpteenth time. He gave me time to actually further look up Worm Charming. It involves vibrating the soil. Don't like this. Which encourages the worms to the surface. Nope, don't like it. So they use various tools and musical equipment to make the the soil, you know, vibrate and then worms just come come to the surface. Competitive worm charming. That is a miserable idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's uh-huh. a stretch. Uh-huh. The current world record was established on June 29 2009 by 10 year old Sophie Smith of Williston, England, who raised 567 worms during Britain's World Worm Charming Championship. Does it give you a idea of how long it took her to do this? You have a plot no greater than three meters by three meters, a five minute warm up period. I don't know what you do during the warm up period. Uh, wait, lol, lol, lol. I think you misread that. It's warm up period. Warm up. Yes. Very good. Uh, a three-person team of charmer, catcher, encounter, and that all worms must be returned to the grounds after the contest. But I do not see anything about the amount of time that you have to do it. Okay. But you only have three three meters by three meters. This Yeah, but do you know how much... The size of a person... Do you know how much there is down there? Because there's like infinite down there. Apparently, yeah. well, well, apparently there's hundreds of worms. How do we know that they're not juicing their particular patch of ground with extra worms before that's the competition good, starts? That's a good question. I Excellent don't know. Question. The person who, and also the person who counts them is on their team. That seems like cheating. Oh, uh, Maybe they should be glad that they don't have to do this again this year. They can finally (laughs) give up the ghost. Yes, they can. Maybe they should feel freed. The next thing that's not happening this year is the Tweed Run. (laughs) Oh, what a shame. (laughs) You hate to see it. You hate to see it. It is just people riding around London on bicycles in their finest tweed. (laughs) And, of course... (laughs) How can we live without lawnmower racing? <laughs> this is a British thing. Uh, yeah, this this picture this is, looks like it could British easily thing. take place in the American South. You fool, it's in Lower Weir Axbridge. <laughs> <laughs> you utter buffoon. You simpleton. These carts still have blades on them, right? I don't know. Because this I, seems I like it could be so. really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, like, 
their speeds up to 50 miles per hour on these things. I, I think that they have to be modified somehow. Is the end goal of this to visit Harry Dean Stanton? I don't know if I get yeah, it. That, that uh, it's a reference to the David Lynch film, The Straight Story, in which a man <laughs> rides his lawnmower to visit his oh, dying brother, okay. played by Harry Dean Stanton. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, really, the pictures say a lot, but uh, I, I want you guys to think about the competition of cheese rolling. Oh, I am very familiar yeah, with cheese rolling. I, I, I'm familiar with cheese rolling. I think I'd heard of it, but I hadn't seen any pictures. Some of these hills that they roll these cheeses down are quite impressive. Yes. Yeah, it is a dangerous hobby. I once saw a video of cheese rolling and in the it was on YouTube and in the YouTube comments, it said at like one minute and 17 seconds, you can see Sarah Jessica Parker. And if you go to that point in the video, a man runs by on screen wearing one of those hyper realistic horse masks. Oh, what if the, you know, the yeah, crazy thing sick. was it could have been Sarah Jessica Parker wearing a horse mask and we have no way of knowing. It could have and never will. Can't idea. No, that's absolutely fair. We also have the Maypole, which people have heard of. Yeah, we covered the Maypole two episodes ago. It appears to be some sort of a white woman mecca. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're thinking of England in the first place. Uh, Um, Yes, of course. There's also the World Custer Pie Championship, which is very, very self-explanatory until you uh, find out that they also then throw the pies at each other. Part of the championship is is wearing really ridiculous costumes and then throwing pies at people a la the Three Stooges. That's beautiful. Dragon Boat Regatta is dumb. I don't know why they included this. Mayday Dip, also dumb. Bottle Kicking Match. Dumb. That is the most British photo I've ever seen in my life. The one with the guy who is having his shirt ripped off while holding a a bottle of some kind. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty British. Well, in in reading the Wikipedia page for Association Football about two years ago, I think this is one of the sports that we may believe that that we believe that soccer may have developed from. Really? Yeah. There's also the World Egg Throwing Championship. This is a phenomenal action shot. (laughs) Which that active shot is so good. Will Heschler. (laughs) He looks like older British Will Heschler. (laughs) Who appears to be mid orgasm? <laughs> Will Heschler with bad teeth. Does he listen to this podcast? Uh, I doubt it. Okay. Good. <laughs> does Does anyone can anyone think of the most British thing that uh, that they did in in England? I ate a quail egg. Mm. I drank a pint of gin and tonics, then got lost on the tube. <laughs> does that count? That, that does count. One thing that we all did was go going to that that pantomime. That was so British. Oh, absolutely! That's where I got. That's where I got drunk on a pint of gin and tonics and got lost in the tube. <laughs> yeah, that our, was my most. That was my most British. Our day. professor trying to get us interested in a pantomime was one of the most sad and pathetic things I've ever seen in my life. I and fully yet, disagree. I had an amazing time. I thought it was, yeah, I had a such a good time right? watching it. But it was he great. said something to the effect of, if I have a holiday season where I don't see at least 10 pantomimes, it's not really a Christmas <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather be at oh, home eating a pasta dinner with a glass of Garde mm-hmm. Le Chanel 49. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, looking at this article, I'm disappointed that the sport of ferret legging, which we've covered earlier on the podcast, isn't yeah. uh, isn't on here. I, th- I think that's I think mm. that's a later in the summer kind of thing. Yeah, this is just May. Okay, this is just May. It's a Jesus Christ. It's just May. <laughs> there is a chance for that to happen. It's not even May. It's April. No, th- this list is just. Well, for I know May. The, the the list is for May. April is often called British May. I, I thought that would give us some good reminiscing of of the weird things that British people do. I can taste the Marmite as we speak. So with that, Aiden, do you want to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I would. I brought in a um, a Wikipedia page. In contrast to everyone else, I went a little dark this week. Oh, fun! So uh, who wants to who I- wants to read the what the Wikipedia page is? Well, I'm seeing Mark Hoffman. Anybody anybody familiar with Mr. Hoffman? Uh, no news to me. Nazi dentist. <laughs> uh, at a, a very quick uh, look at this page. First off, I see he's still alive. He is. And uh, second off, I, I believe that this is going to be part of your the series of notable forgers. Yes. So tell us a little bit about Mr. So Hoffman. Mark William Hoffman is an American counterfeiter, forger and convicted murderer. Widely regarded as one of the most accomplished forgers in history, Hoffman is especially noted for his creation of documents related to the history of the Latter-day Saints movement. While his schemes began to unravel, he constructed bombs to murder two people in Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) Oh, fun. So he was born in Salt Lake City to Mormon parents. And during his early adulthood, he he did his uh, mission, I believe, in England. At that point, he began reading anti-Mormon literature and stopped being a faithful practicing Mormon Mm -hmm. and began forging historical documents related to the church and selling them um, for a massive profit. Did he ever forge the tablets? No. So do you know what's really, really kind of funny? Go on. Mm -hmm. I think that I just listened to an episode of the podcast, The Dollop, about this same guy. Oh, really? Should we go to my backup article? No, no, go <laughs> ahead. Okay. We're to be accused of plagiarizing the dollar. All right. So there is a little bit like there, there's a lot of sort of minutia related to things that are really important to Mormons that I don't really know about um, in this. Uh-huh. But the, the first notable forgery covered on his Wikipedia page um, in 1980, Hoffman claimed that he found a 17th century King James Bible with a folded paper with folded paper gummed inside mm-hmm. the document seemed to be the transcript that script that Joseph Smith the founder of Mormonism's scribe had presented to a Columbia classics professor in 1828 according to the Mormon scripture the transcript and its unusual reformed Egyptian characters were copied by Smith from the golden plates from which he translated the book of Mormon so that seems very sort of in the weeds of Mormonism. He was able to convince the Latter-day Saints church that the document was written by Joseph Smith and they purchased it from him for more than $20,000. Okay. This allowed him to drop out of school and go go into business as a dealer in rare books. He soon fabricated other historically significant documents and became noted among Latter-day Saints history buffs for his discoveries of previously unknown materials related to the Latter-day Saints movement. Mm -hmm. During the the early 1980s, a significant number of new Mormon documents came into the marketplace. Sometimes the church received them as donations. Other times they purchased them. Mm -hmm. Hoffman created a forgery showing that Joseph Smith had designated his son, Joseph Smith III, rather than Brigham Young as his successor, which is a major schism within the Mormon church. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, there's the reorganized church 
which was founded by Joseph Smith III and the LDS Church, which is considered the real Mormon church by Mormon Mormons. Mm -hmm. And that is, I believe that is the technical term is Mormon Mormons. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like in a smaller scale, both China and Taiwan believe that they are the real China. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good analogy. I also believe myself to be the real China. (laughs) I follow that. (laughs) He pitched this letter as if it was evidence that the reorganized church is the real church. Yeah. So, and there was a bidding war between the Latter-day Saints and the reorganized church. The former day saints? The reorganized church. <laughs> okay. Uh, netting Mr. Hoffman even more money, but he also leaked the document after he so- sold it to the Latter-day Saints. So he was able to mm-hmm. ensure that it wasn't covered up by them. And then this is the thing that, that really interests me in this article is it says no one is certain how many forged documents Hoffman created during the early 1980s. So there's potentially a great wealth of documents and scholarship related to the Latter-day Saints movement that is mm-hmm. totally and completely false because of this guy's efforts. Interesting. Do these people not realize that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Another interesting thing about him was that he was raised Mormon, but even before he started doing this, he had he had already renounced the Mormon church. Part of it was he he learned that his maternal grandparents had continued to secretly practice practice polygamy for more than a decade after the church publicly ended the practice. Hmm. That was also one of the big differences between the reorganized church and the non-reorganized church is that the reorganized church said, we're getting rid of this polygamy stuff. It's weird. Uh, and the regular church kind of continued doing it for for a while. Who in the ripe old fuck does not like <laughs> their religion to have a hefty amount of polygamy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that... Yes, David? Oh, no, 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 no. This guy, it's just, uh, his whole history is fascinating. I mean, he's the hes the Mormon Lee Israel, right? Yeah. Who's Lee Israel? <laughs> she's the she's the lady who forged a bunch. There was the Melissa McCarthy movie about her like two years ago. Can you, mm. I think it's called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Huh? She was an author who forged a bunch of fake letters. Oh, okay. Great movie, by the by. And then as his um, kind of career as a forger continues mark hoffman the audacity of this man is astounding (laughs) so he forged um, and sold signatures of many famous non-mormons including george washington john adams john quincy adams daniel boone john brown andrew jackson mark twain nathan hale john hancock francis scott key abraham lincoln john milton paul revere miles standish and button gwinnett he's the fucking Button Gwinnett. They even got Button Gwinnett. He's the Mormon master of disguise. (laughs) And it says that Button Gwinnett is the signer of the Declaration of Independence whose signature is the rarest. So that's why he he did. He did Button Gwinnett. (laughs) It's rarest because it's the best name. He also forged a previously unknown (laughs) poem in the hand of Emily Dickinson. (laughs) When I saw the name Button Gwinnett, I mistakenly believed it to be the very different red buttons. Whose signature is extremely (laughs) valuable. signature is extremely valuable, yes. His grandest scheme was to forge what was perhaps the most famous missing document in American colonial history, the Oath of a Free Man. The one-page oath had been printed in 1639, the first document to be printed in Britain's American colonies, but only about 50 copies had been made, and none of these were extant. That is so bold. His agents tried to negotiate a sale to the Library of Congress 
1985. Do you think that that's bolder than forging a poem by Emily Dickinson? <laughs> Not only copying her handwriting, but attempting to pass off your work as a genuine Dickinson? Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I think, look, Emily Dickinson is an amazing, an amazing, beautiful poet. I think I could write a poem as good as her worst poem. But <laughs> she has some stinkers. Okay. What do you believe to be her worst who poem? Who doesn't have stinkers? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough about Emily Dickinson. There's some that's like, that's kind of clunky. I could do that. Some of the shorter ones. Only some. Not a lot. Again, most of it, most of it's great. I like most of it's great. I like the one that starts because I could not stop for forgery. He kindly stopped for mortuary. <laughs> the carriage held but just our surgery and immortality. You know, you can you know, you can <laughs> sing that poem to the tune of the Gilligan's Islands theme. You can sing any poem to the tune of anything. Just a lot of them won't sound good. <laughs> because I I could not stop for death. He kindly he kindly stopped for me. Comet. That's not it. It makes you vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a Gilligan's Island thing? So, and then the Wikipedia page takes a rather dark turn. To murders. Nate, would you like to, to take this section? <laughs> yes. Despite the considerable amounts of money Hoffman had made from document sales, he was deeply in debt in part because of his increasingly lavish lifestyle and his purchases of genuine first edition books. In an effort to buy more time, Hoffman began constructing bombs. <laughs> <laughs> and he appears to have murdered. He really is the Mormon Unabomber. Yeah, so he first killed a document collector named Stephen Christensen. A second bomb later that day killed Kathy Sheets, the wife of Christensen's former employee. He also mm-hmm. injured himself. In a bomb, in, when a bomb exploded in his car. Jeez. So in a, in some ways, he's he's the Tiger King of, of forgery. There are a lot of parallels with other murderers and murder for hire uh, <laughs> convictees that we could draw. Are you saying all murderers sound alike? I'm saying that there are a lot of similarities between different murders. Oh, okay. Tiger King but doesn't really go into his nationwide bombing campaign. Oh, okay. He doesn't really. He doesn't really use bombs. You're right. You're right. Well, um, actually, he might so, have with that one. That one building that he might have burned in his yeah, uh, in the zoo. And mm. he, I mean, he d- was exploding things with gunpowder a lot. Is this is the, are, is this the new podcast talking Tiger King? So how how did they catch him? So during the bombing at. Um, investigation, police discovered evidence of the forgeries in Hoffman's basement. They found the engraving plate where he had forged uh, the oath of a freedman. They also kind of did their due diligence that wasn't done before. Some of the documents that he forged um, supposedly by different people had similar writing styles and they had been written with homemade ink that cracked like It says cracked like alligator skin under a microscope, although authentic period ink did not. We all know that time-honored analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Cracked like crocodile skin. Boiled in the skull of a dead witch for 20 days and 20 nights. (laughs) So he was sentenced to life in prison. After he was sentenced, he was excommunicated by the Latter-day Saints Church, which doesn't seem like much of a punishment for him. No. (laughs) However, he did attempt suicide. In his cell by taking an overdose of antidepressants. But yet continue on with that sentence, Lil. Keep reading. He was revived, but not before spending 12 hours lying on his right arm, blocking its circulation and causing muscle atrophy. His forging hand was thereby permanently disabled. Jesus. And Moranai had her its revenge. (laughs) 
He was probably just tr- doing the <laughs> trick where you sit on your hand, then masturbate to make it seem like someone else is giving you an HJ. <laughs> okay. It also says here he painted his nails bright colors. Where, where do you see that? To visually make it look like someone else was giving him an HJ. <laughs> Aiden did not highlight that part. Hand job is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm aware. I don't want to be too dirty for PBS. <laughs> For PBS kids. For PBS kids, yeah. <laughs> and then the last section of his uh, Wikipedia page echoes that idea that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Hoffman deceived a number of renowned document experts during his short career. Some of his forgeries were accepted by scholars for years, and an unknown number of them may still be in circulation. And I'm a big fan of that idea Very that there is a lot of historical documents related to um, Mormonism that may be completely fake. It could all be fake. Well, I, wait, yeah, you're whoa. saying most of the <laughs> most of the manuscripts about Mormonism are completely fake information. You you could make a pretty compelling <laughs> case that Joseph Smith was himself a master forger. <laughs> you could. And the forger becomes you, really the forged. Good. That's fair. And the seasons go round and round, <laughs> and the painted Mormons go up and down. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the maple. He's ca- he's captive in the Utah Department of Corrections <laughs> of time <laughs> of time. <laughs> you can turn, but you can only look back where your arm has been. <laughs> I'm going around and around and around while giving yourself in a, a limp handed hage in, 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 in an Indonesian ghost game. I don't know. Wait, did I do it? Did I bring us full circle? Well, full circle would be back to Barrel Man. Uh, man, yeah. Doing the Almost. things a barrel Full circle can. would be back to high. I'm Lowell. <laughs> yeah, you have to say backwards. <laughs> yep. So that's All everything right. I have on Mark Hoffman. Awesome. Well then, um, I guess it's time to wrap up the show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you're welcome. I hope that people are staying safe and and healthy. And Nate, is there anything? Uh, you would like to plug? I, I know that you're generally inside, but I, I did see your Instagram recently and you have albums. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have an Instagram uh, at Arugula Oglethorpe. Um, I have a musical project in which I play all the instruments, also called Arugula Oglethorpe. I had a Facebook page that I recently deleted, so you can no longer find that. <laughs> I also have a Vimeo account at Vimeo.com slash Nathaniel Cowper. I also have herpes. Awesome. (laughs) So get on that. (laughs) All right. So um, to wrap up the show, let's do one last headline. Uh, I'm going to paste an image into the show notes. And David, would you like to read that? I'd be I'd be so happy to. Theater disrupts plans to meet about threats. Theater disrupts plans to meet about theaters. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Oh, it's an Oglethorpe County. (laughs) Oglethorpe. Wait, okay, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I bungled this as hard as I could. (laughs) You filthy man. Go back. Go back. Go back. (laughs) Sheriff Mike. Go ahead. I can edit it. (laughs) Oglethorpe schools change policy. Threat disrupts plans to meet about threats. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, thank you again for listening. I have been Lowell. And I'm David. And I am Aiden. And I am Sheriff Mike. 
Thank you so much for listening and have a great and safe couple weeks. If it's Sunday, it's meet the press. The late Tim Russell. Here's Johnny. Well, well, well roared lion, well shown moon. What?